What is Truth? 9-11 Written by Greg Fernandez Jr. Narrated by Ryan Barry Questions Philip Marshall The official version about ghost Osama bin Laden in some cave on the other side of the world defeating our entire military establishment on United States soil is absolutely preposterous. The true reason the attack was successful is because of an inside military stand-down and a coordinated training operation that prepared the hijackers to fly heavy commercial airliners. We have dozens of FBI documents to prove that this flight training was conducted in California, Florida, and Arizona in the 18 months leading up to the attack. Philip Marshall Philip Marshall questions. On the morning of September 11, 2001, Philip Marshall, then an airline pilot for United Airlines, was sleeping in his Santa Barbara home as the terror attacks began to unfold. The phone would not stop ringing, Marshall wrote in his second nonfiction book, The Big Bamboozle. I tried to sleep through rings, but I finally surrendered and made my way to the phone in my office. There were already 15 messages. Only the crew scheduler at United would be that persistent. But I had just returned at midnight from a four-day trip up and down the American West Coast, seven times no less, from my base at Los Angeles to San Diego to Seattle, and every major airport in between. I had at least one day of rest coming. I began listening to the great urgencies of the new day. As he checked his messages, Marshall remembered through a rush of shock and awe my work over the previous ten years, the hundreds of hours at this desk, on layover, studying the new, studying the new inexorable power that had invaded America, the bull in the china shop that had already caused havoc in my career, and the undercurrent of deep mistrust amongst our pilot association. The culmination of the research was nearly finished. And because there were so many holes in my understanding at the time, Lakefront Airport was written as a novel based on my time for flying spooks back in the 1980s. During the early years of his aviation career, Philip Marshall was a contract pilot at Lakefront Airport in New Orleans, Louisiana, the same city where Marshall grew up. New Orleans is also where on March 1, 1967, District Attorney Jim Garrison arrested Clay Shaw for conspiring to kill President John F. Kennedy. Philip Marshall began flying airplanes at the age of 15. In fact, the young pilot's first flight instructor was his father, Carl Marshall. Lakefront Airport was Philip Marshall's first published book, detailing his experiences as Barry Seal's taxi driver and his involvement with the Iran-Contra affair. The work of fiction is told from Marshall's point of view as a young pilot who finds himself involved with a daredevil DEA informant who has infiltrated the Medellin cartel and is simultaneously running illegal arms to the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. I would recommend this book to anyone interested in the Iran-Contra topic. I would recommend this book to anyone interested in the Iran-slash-Contra topic. This book was originally published in 2003, and a second print was made available in 2013. I would recommend this book to anyone interested in the Iran-Contra topic. The book was originally published in 2003, and a second print was made available in 2013. Even before September 11, 2001, Philip Marshall had a sick feeling that America was in deep trouble, that a group, this new Bush administration, just like the old Bush administration, was an incredibly dangerous, brazen bunch of well-connected, well-educated ideologists. They were on a power trip similar to others in world history. But as far as I knew, this was the first attempt by what our founders had labeled domestic enemies to overthrow the Constitution and place America under their own absolute power. According to his obituary, Philip Marshall was a graduate of Mandeville High School at the North Shore, where he was an all-star receiver. 
He briefly attended Southwestern University at Lafayette and worked offshore before pursuing his passion, flying. Philip worked his way up from a student pilot to instructor, then to charter pilot on Lear jets until he was hired by a major airline. He progressed to become a full captain on a jumbo jet, flying around the world for United Airlines. Phil lived in Dallas, Miami, Chicago, San Francisco, Lake Tahoe, Santa Barbara, and Murphy's, California. He was a devoted father to his children and spent many hours in a ball field as a Little League coach. He was a lifelong diehard Saints fan, attending games as a kid, starting with John Gillum's opening day kickoff return for a touchdown, through the Billy Kilmer, Archie Manning Saints, and Drew Brees' days and culminating with the thrill of the Super Bowl victory in 2010. Phil even organized and flew the free Sean Payton plane last summer and fall. Phil authored three books that he self-published, and he definitely was not afraid to tackle extremely controversial subjects. After the events of September 11, 2001, Philip Marshall began to tackle one of the most controversial subjects since the death of President John F. Kennedy. My agenda as an airline pilot, Marshall once wrote in the truthmove.org forum, is to find the culprits in the attack against my fellow aviators, and to reopen hearings with the witnesses under oath, and to uncover the buried FBI files and the blacked-out portions about Saudis in the congressional reports. Marshall was referring to a 2002 congressional report titled, Joint Inquiry into Intelligence Community Activities Before and After the Terrorist Attacks of September 11, 2001 which excluded 28 pages of information connecting the alleged 9-11 hijackers to the Saudi Arabian government. Marshall wasn't alive when the 28 pages were finally released on July 15, 2016. While in the United States, Part 4 of the final report concluded, some of the September 11th hijackers were in contact with and received support or assistance from individuals who may be connected to the Saudi government. There is information primarily from the FBI sources that at least two of those individuals were allegedly by some to be Saudi intelligence officers. Between 2008 and 2012, Philip Marshall wrote two nonfiction books, False Flag 9-11 and The Big Bamboozle, condemning and exposing some of the lies and cover-ups surrounding the events of September 11, 2001, including the Congressional Joint Inquiries missing 28 pages. The Congressional Joint Inquiry was led by three veteran and dogged investigators who would find deeply hidden in the FBI files a troubling discovery. Marshall wrote in The Big Bamboozle, the hijackers have been supported in every conceivable way by agents of the Saudi Arabian government as they prepared for the attack. From the moment the hijackers arrived on U.S. soil, it is well documented that the Saudi intelligence agents and employees of the Saudi Civil Aviation Authority provided housing, obtained driver's license, and harbored them. After submitting an 800-page report to the American public, moderate U.S. Senator Bob Graham of Florida, the co-chairman of the inquiry, said there was a direct line between the terrorists and the government of Saudi Arabia. The Saudi government has provided logistical and financial support to at least two of the 9-11 hijackers while they lived in Southern California. Though I enjoyed reading both of Philip Marshall's books on 9-11, more interesting to me was his fictional book, Lakefront Airport. Examining Marshall's past introduced me to more information about Barry Seal. Barry Seal's wife once said her husband flew the getaway plane out of Dallas after President John F. Kennedy was killed. Lakefront Airport tells the tales of Barry Seal's dealings and eventual sting on the notorious Pablo Escobar, as well as Mr. Seal's early days of smuggling marijuana and explosives and his dealings with Ollie North, 
and George H.W. Bush's secret operations south of the border. It's believed that SEAL began flying for black op missions in the 1950s and hired Philip Marshall in the 1980s after SEAL lost his pilot's license. SEAL used Marshall to smuggle arms and drugs into South America. Marshall believed many of the contract pilots flying those missions did not know what their planes were carrying. Barry Seal and David Ferry were both part of the Civil Air Patrol, CAP, in Baton Rouge. In 1967, David Ferry was questioned by New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison about his involvement in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Ferry lied to Garrison about his whereabouts on November 22, 1963. Soon after Ferry met with Garrison, Ferry allegedly committed suicide. Garrison wasn't so sure. On February 19, 1986, Barry Seal was shot multiple times while attempting to exit his car. Seal is going to testify that George H.W. Bush was involved in South American smuggling operations. Barry Seal may have been involved in what is known as Operation 40, the alleged hit team that was ordered to kill President Kennedy on November 22, 1963. On page 153 of The Big Bamboozle, Marshall referred to Barry Seal as his former boss. The third man from the left is my former boss, Barry Seal. The picture was taken in Mexico City on January 22, 1963, at the La Reforma nightclub. Of the picture, Marshall wrote, Here may very well be the founding members of the Intelligence Community Special Activities Division. This photo was taken 10 months before President John F. Kennedy was gunned down in Dallas. Some independent investigators believe that this was the assassination team, nicknamed Operation 40, that pulled it off. Barry had some wild encounters with the world's most dangerous people, Marshall continued. That included cocaine kingpins and intelligence community assassins. Philip Marshall's first wife, Ann Colner, told the Union Democrat she did not believe Marshall was a Contra pilot. She believes her former husband provided a taxi service for Barry Seal, a man who worked in black ops smuggling drugs and guns in and out of countries for CIA and DEA. Colner did admit that Marshall was not always honest with her when it came to his travels with Barry Seal. He'd been in one city, tell me he was in another. She told the Union Democrat, Philip and Anne were married for about three years starting in 1985. Colner, who lived in Louisiana, was also surprised at the allegations that Philip Marshall killed his two teenage children, a family dog, and then himself. I don't see him doing that without being in an altered state. As a former operative in his group's notorious covert missions, including Iran-Contra and the sting of Pablo Escobar, I recognize that this smoke rising over Manhattan might add a major piece of my very large jigsaw puzzle of evidence. Philip Marshall Before he died, Philip Marshall expressed concern for his life. According to a February 6, 2013 Santa Barbara View article, the article reports that Marshall was concerned about his 10-year independent 9-11 study and most recent books since they point to the Saudis and the Bush intelligence community as the executioners of the attack that defeated all of the U.S. military defenses on September 11, 2001. Marshall said he knew his book might cause some people to take issue with him. Pinal Air Park Philip Marshall believed Pinal Air Park was a front for CIA operations. I have some connections that remain in the spook world. Marshall told John B. Wells on Coast to Coast AM in 2012, there's a lot of contractors out there. Blackwater is one of them. There are quite a few other operations. So I was getting information from, it's a pretty tight circle. Aviation's pretty tight circle in itself, but this particular strain of pilot, we keep in touch. Let's just put it this way. And I started getting hints of this Pinal Air Base from about three guys that worked in the field. 
I had to be very careful about this because they will still provide information to me. Philip Marshall went on to visit the air park sometime between 2006 and 2007. He told John B. Wells, There's this airport out in the middle of nowhere. It's a triangular airport and has three runways on it. There's about a hundred airliners there in storage right now. Certain people of the Pinal Air Park told Marshall that many times people try to take pictures of that airport and they'll send a car out there and confiscate the camera and all kinds of bad activities. Visit the Big Bamboozle Facebook page to see what photos Mr. Marshall took on the trip to Pinal Air Park. Marshall also told Wells that Pinal Air Park was a longtime CIA-operated airport. There's a lot of controversy about trying to shut it down years ago. People that are on the board of directors are CIA people, so it has a long connection, all the way back to Air America. The Official Story Sometime between January 31, 2013 and February 2, 2013, Philip Marshall allegedly shot his two teenage children, Alex Marshall, 17, and Michaela Marshall, 14, a family dog, and then himself inside his home in Murphy's, California, while his estranged wife was out of the country. According to reports, the last time friends heard from Alex or Michaela Marshall was on Thursday, January 31, 2013. On Saturday, February 2, 2013, a little before 3.10 p.m., friends of Alex and Michaela knocked on the front door of the Marshall home and looked through the front window. Through the front window, friends saw Philip Marshall lying face up on the floor in a pool of blood. Independent researcher Dan Hennen recently spoke with the first eyewitness who entered the Marshall home with several teenagers. Interview with the first eyewitness and Phil Marshall home. Eyewitness. On Saturday, February 2, 2013, several teenagers came over and said they would like some help at their friend's home, the Marshall residence. They hadn't heard from their friend since Thursday, January 31, 2013, and went to do a welfare check at their home. The kids told me they saw a man's body through the entryway window at Alex and Michaela's home. Neither of them described a man as Alex or Michaela's dad. They asked me to take a look and go inside. They held my hand as I opened the door to go inside. They didn't want to see anything. I saw a body on the floor. That was Phil, but didn't look like him. The body was lying straight, as if it was positioned that way, and it didn't appear to be in the position of a man collapsing on the floor. The body was lying in a pool of blood, dark in color and hardened and wasn't fresh. I didn't see the children. The friends went around the home to attempt to look through the windows, but couldn't find Alex or Michaela. I also didn't see the children. Police were notified. Police talked to a neighbor and requested that they schedule a cleaning service to come in the very next day and clean the house. This was done. The cleaning was done during Super Bowl Sunday, 2013. This eyewitness did not recall seeing blood on the walls. I had asked where the blood splatter was on the wall to help determine if Phil was sitting or standing when the shot was fired. Eyewitness stated that the home and property were never taped off with police tape. During the investigation, only one officer was allowed in the home at a time. There was a sergeant in charge of the investigation and said more than one could contaminate the crime scene. Saturday night, law enforcement was searching around the home and property with flashlights. Law enforcement said the dog was found shot dead in the upstairs master bedroom. Phil had a girlfriend named Tina, her real name. She was a yoga instructor in the area. She was blonde and attractive. I became friends with this person and introduced her to Phil. They hit it off pretty quickly. Tina was looking for a place to live. I offered my home as a temporary location to stay. Tina instead opted to move in with Phil. She spent six to nine months with Phil. 
Tina helped edit Phil's new transcript as they worked on it together. Phil told Tina he was hoping to get it finished before they got to him. He knew this information would not make him a popular man. This is what Tina told me. Tina said she ended the relationship with Phil when she found out Phil was in talks with Sean, his estranged wife, about possibly reconciling and getting back together with her. My grandson knew Alex pretty well. They played catch a lot and also played the nearby golf course. Calaveras County Sheriff deputies arrived at Philip Marshall's house at 3.10 p.m. to find Alex and Michaela sleeping on a couch in the front room, six feet away from each other. Philip Marshall was found face up near the couch in a pool of blood with a gun next to him. Police also found a family dog deceased in the master bedroom. Calaveras County Coroner Kevin Raggio told the reporters, It did appear as though Alex and Michaela were sleeping when the bodies were found on February 2nd. Joel Metzger, writer for the CalvarezEnterprise.com, pointed out, It's highly unlikely Marshall could have shot one without waking the other. On the same day as the bodies were found, police posted their first media release claiming, Man shoots children, then himself, in a murder-suicide. Man shoots children, then himself, in a murder-suicide. Murphy's, California. A Murphy's man identified as Philip Marshall, 54, took the life of his two juvenile children before taking his own life in an apparent murder-suicide. On February 2, 2013, at 3.10 p.m., Calaveras Sheriff deputies were called to a residence on the 1200 block of Sandalwood Drive in the Forest Meadows subdivision Murphy's for a suspicious circumstance welfare check. The reporting parties who are friends of the two victims told investigators that they had not heard from the victim since Thursday, January 31, 2013. On February 2nd, they went to the Marshall's family residence looking for the victims. While at the front door of the house, they were able to see inside and saw Philip Marshall lying on the floor in a pool of blood. They called the sheriff's office to report what they saw. Upon arrival of the initial responding deputies, they observed the man described by the reporting parties. The deputies entered the room and found the two deceased victims lying on the couch with apparent gunshot wounds. They also discovered the family dog deceased in a bedroom. The two victims were identified as 17-year-old Alex Marshall and 14-year-old Michaela Marshall. A preliminary examination of the deceased showed that all three suffered from single gunshot wounds to the head, the weapon being a handgun. The dog had also been shot. A post-mortem examination will be conducted at a later date to determine the actual cause of death of the victims and of Philip Marshall. The mother of the two victims and the estranged wife of Philip Marshall, Sean Marshall was out of the country at the time of the incident. She was located and notified of the deaths. Both victims were students at Bret Hart High School in Angel's Camp. Additional details in the investigation will be provided as they develop. The reason of the murder-suicide is unknown at this time. Calvarez County Sheriff's Department Media Release Number 1, February 2, 2013 What did police find inside the house that led them to tell the media this was a double murder-suicide within hours of finding the bodies? On February 3, 2013, Apple Valley Police Sergeant Chris Hewitt stated, all evidence and information at the scene confirmed this was indeed a double murder-suicide and has no evidence to suggest that there was an outside party who entered the house and committed a triple murder. Police ended the media release with, The reason for the murder-suicide is unknown at this time. The investigation by the Calvarez County Sheriff Department appeared as if it were beginning with the assumption that Philip Marshall was guilty of murdering his two teenage children and their dog before ending his own life. 
On February 19, 2013, Wayne Matson of the Wayne Matson Report told radio talk show host Alex Jones, police said before they had finished investigating the case, they permitted professional cleaners to come to the Marshall home to clean the premises. After that, there were two sets of vehicles seen at the Marshall home, still conducting the investigation after the home was professionally cleaned. Wayne Matson was in the town of Murphy soon after the murders took place. On February 13, 2013, Sean Marshall and her sister were at Bret Hart Union High School near Murphy's, attending a special ceremony for the two slain teens. The sister, Erin, gave some type of eulogy, and Sean gave the closing statement. At that time, it wasn't clear if either of the two women thought Philip Marshall was guilty or innocent of the double murder-suicide. Joel Metzger reported on what Sean Marshall said that night. Being in Turkey and getting the news, it was almost unbearable. When I heard of this devastation, there are no words ever to explain the emotions, the hurt, the regrets. I couldn't hear God at that moment. I couldn't hear his answers. Why? Why would you do this? Why them? Why me? Hug everyone. Love everyone. Be kind. The same night, someone tried to break in through a sliding door at the back of the residence. Wayne Madsen told InfoWars nightly news host Jakari Jackson, It's quite clear that Marshall has something that somebody wanted so bad, they are willing to kill him and his children and his family dog for. Calvarez County Coroner Kevin Raggio Investigative researcher and mortician Chris Gordon spoke to the coroner of Philip Marshall and his two teenage children. Gordon called Calvarez County Coroner Kevin Raggio to ask some questions about the conspiracy theories surrounding the alleged double murder-suicide. The last facial expression is essential in determining the state of condition that the person was in before they died. Chris Gordon The first question Chris asked the coroner was why the neighbors didn't hear any gunshots. There are five houses within close vicinity of the Marshall home. A neighbor across the street said he heard two suspicious noises on Friday night, February 1st, 2013, one day before the three bodies were found. The Marshall house sits on the ridgetop facing the Stanislaus River Canyon. Mr. Raggio pointed out there's a long driveway in front of the house, which is about 30 feet off the road of Sandalwood Drive. In response to why neighbors didn't hear any gunshots, Raggio told Chris, you have to walk past the garage to get into the house. The house is all double-pane windows. So with the door closed, you've got a big garage there. Number one, that's going to insulate the sound. You've got a big substantial front door on the house, all dual-pane windows. You're not going to hear much. Sergeant Chris Hewitt at the Calvarez County Sheriff's Office came to a similar conclusion when he told the media, the houses are not very close together, and if they are well-built and insulated with all the windows and doors closed, the shots would have been muffled. The coroner also told Chris that the gunshots would probably be more louder towards the front of the house. In front of the house, there's nothing in front of them but a remote river canyon and probably nobody for 20 miles. Mr. Raggio also mentioned that the neighbor across the street from the Marshall home, who heard two suspicious noises on February 1st, 2013, there was a neighbor that did hear something strange that night, Raggio told Chris. The neighbor across the street heard something that got his attention. But him being in the house and the shots going off inside the Marshall home, you probably wouldn't notice. The neighbor, Jeff Woods, heard something strange twice in the same night, but didn't specify if the noises sounded like gunshots. In Joel Metzger's article, Tragedy in Forest Meadows, Woods said he was in the downstairs room with the television on. In the background, when I heard an unusual noise, I stopped working and went upstairs, turned the lights on, and looked around. I didn't hear anything else. 
so I went back downstairs. Not too long after that, I heard another strange noise. I muted the television and listened for a second without hearing anything else. When Chris Gordon asked Mr. Raggio if he thought Wood's comments had any credence, Raggio responded, Yeah, why wouldn't it? Chris Gordon then steered the conversation towards the two teenagers. Both Alex and Michaela were found in the U-shaped couch, apparently sleeping. Chris asked why the gunshots did not wake up one of the children. That I don't know, Mr. Raggio responded. That I don't know at this point. That's something I'd like to think that they didn't hear. I don't know if they did or didn't. The first one probably didn't hear anything, because I suspect they were probably asleep. So maybe one of them did hear. I don't know. The last facial expression is essential in determining the state of condition that the person was in when they died. Chris Gordon Mr. Raggio echoed what police had been saying about the murder weapon. As far as I know, there was no silencer of any kind. Chris then wondered how one of the two teenagers would not wake up to the sound of a gunshot that was a few feet from their ears. Do you find that suspicious at all? No. Chris clarified his question. You don't find it suspicious that a gunshot wouldn't wake up a child? Well, not. I don't in looking at the scene. I mean, yeah, it's mysterious in my mind, but I don't find it suspicious. As far as it makes me wonder, you know, like I said, it's mysterious. It makes me wonder, you know, if one of them heard anything, but I do find it suspicious. I don't find it suspicious. I don't suspect that from what I can see. It's what, what they, you know, you know, what the, we determined it was. You know, murder-suicide. The next question was if there was a suicide note found at the crime scene. The coroner responded, Not to my knowledge, no. My job is to determine what the cause of death was. I don't deal with the criminal aspect of the whole thing. The autopsy determined that Philip Marshall, Alex Marshall, and Michaela Marshall, and the family dog all died from a single gunshot wound to the head. Mr. Raggio believed this was a double murder-suicide. It appears to be what it is. When you shoot yourself, you're standing up. There's a considerable amount of blood splatter that goes every direction. The blood splatter. Unless somebody was floating, they would have, in my mind, had to have tracked in the blood splatter. So from your determination, Chris asked, it seemed like Marshall was standing up when he shot himself? Probably, yeah. Kevin Raggio also didn't believe a foreign country like Saudi Arabia staged the deaths to appear as a double murder-suicide. I've heard all these conspiracy theories, and all this other stuff in my mind if you're a foreign country, for instance, you're coming after Philip Marshall, you'd send somebody in. I'm Italian, so I'd send for the boys in Sicily and they'd come in and you know. You know what I mean. It'd be like Sopranos. The boys from Italy would come in and he doesn't give a damn if it looks like a murder-suicide or not. They're going to put bullets in your head and they're going to leave and that's going to be it. But in this case, why would you go out of your way to stage it as a murder-suicide? Chris Gordon thanked Mr. Raggio for his time and for answering the questions to the best of his ability. I'm not an expert, Raggio told him. I just happen to be the guy who has to be the coroner there. He said the Calvarez County Sheriff's Office is doing a very thorough investigation. In light of these conspiracy theories, so forth, I know they've gone, taken some extra steps, and you have to ask them to elaborate on that. That's about all I can tell you. Chris Gordon knows that the autopsy report can be purchased for $10. He asked Raggio, is it possible that we could purchase an autopsy report for Philip Marshall? I think you could probably. Eventually, yeah. It's not available as of yet? No, not yet. No. Do you have any idea when it would be? At this point, no. Chris Gordon has worked at five different mortuaries. He's seen a lot of dead bodies up close. 
He says part of the answer to this case would be found on facial expressions of the deceased. It would be very easy to determine if one of those kids were woken up by the gunshot going off six feet away by their facial expressions. Chris told me, It's easy to tell if someone was sleeping when they died. Their eyes would be closed. That was probably how they were able to determine so quickly that the children were sleeping. If they appeared to be sleeping, they probably were found with their eyes closed. What if someone had just changed the facial expression after killing the four family members? I'm a mortician, Chris told me. I make people's shock and traumatic faces look like they're sleeping. It's a process. Surely a professional could have manipulated their faces to make it appear as if they were sleeping, right? If it was done, Chris answered me, it would leave a trail. You'd be able to determine that. Forest Meadows The people who lived near Philip Marshall and communicated with him had a hard time believing Marshall would kill his two children. There was no suicide note and no motive. Also, no one heard any gunshots between Thursday, January 31st and Saturday, February 2nd, 2013. Bob Friel, security guard for the gay community of Forest Meadows, told the Union Democrat, I would never have guessed anything like this. He describes the Marshalls as a normal family. Bret Hart Union High School's assistant principal Kelly Osborne is quoted as saying, It just doesn't make sense. A neighbor named Mike Brown described Mr. Marshall as a dedicated father. Next-door neighbor Carolyn Greenwood said, I knew him long enough to know he was a regular guy. He was a good father, always there for his kids, and a helpful neighbor. Rita Callaway of the Calvarez County Board of Supervisors said Marshall was very involved with his kids. Callaway also believed the actions don't match the person we know, and he loved his children. Callaway also told the sheriff's captain that she truly felt like somebody came in the house. While visiting Murphy soon after the incident, Wayne Matson learned that his side door was open when the bodies were found. The same day the bodies were found, the police released a statement claiming the reason for this murder-suicide is unknown at this time. Some people believe Philip Marshall might have killed his two children and himself due to his marital issues with his second wife, Sean Marshall. Sean Marshall filed for divorce in October of 2012, and a divorce hearing was originally scheduled for February 25, 2013 almost a month after his death. Some believers of the official theory point to a December 2008 dispute Philip Marshall had with Sean and her sister, Erin, over the custody battle of the teenagers. Philip Marshall was accused by Sean and Erin of slapping Erin at the Forest Meadows home. Marshall was detained, not arrested, and eventually released. A month earlier in November, Philip Marshall hid in the shower of his house with a video camera as Sean entered the home and allegedly stole a bottle of six 20-milligram pills of Cadian, a very strong opioid. The police were called to the house and eventually arrested Sean Marshall, charging her with petty theft, trespassing, and possession of drugs without prescription. The charges were dropped on September 28, 2009. When asked why she took the pills, Sean told the police she hid the pills in a tree and planned on giving them to her lawyer. Independent researcher Dan Hennon found a blog about three family members who allegedly went to the Marshall home on February 14th, one day after Wayne Madsen witnessed someone breaking into the Marshall home. Hennon found this information on Echelon.com. Two family members and a friend of Marshall's estranged wife reportedly entered the home and rifled through drawers and boxes of papers in the garage in search of something. Forest Meadows Homeowners Association President David Turner was alerted to their presence and told them they had no permission to enter the premises. Turner also remarked that they were making quite a mess. According to a neighbor, 
The estranged in-laws claimed they were looking for bills that had to be paid. On March 20th, 2013, Dan Hennen posted in the Justice for Philip, Alex and Michaela Marshall Facebook group, I was able to get through to David Turner today. He was the president of the association for three years and is now the treasurer. I asked him if he could clarify a little further into what happened that day when he had to tell the family members they didn't have permission to be in the home. I'm not interested in getting into that. An employee at a local business told Chris Gordon that Marshall was right-handed and grabbed stuff off the shelves with his right hand, too. That person also saw Mr. Marshall sign his credit card receipt with his right hand. We asked for the video that showed which hand Marshall signed with, but the employee said they only keep surveillance videos for 30 days. Lack of evidence. The Calvarez County Sheriff's Office prepared a six-page statement on the Marshall investigation and released it on March 29, 2013. Sheriff Gary Kuntz and Sean Marshall, plumber, mother of the two deceased children, reviewed the third media release prepared by Sergeant Chris Hewitt before it was given to the public. In the prepared statement, authorities claimed the gun was upside down when Marshall shot himself. The Glock handgun was sent to the California Department of Justice Crime Lab for fingerprint analysis, the report stated, and is scheduled for DNA and ballistics examination, results pending on the DNA and ballistics. The fingerprint analysis positively identifies Philip Marshall's fingerprints on the interior plastic carton of the ammunition box and gun magazine. In regards to the prints on the gun, DOJ lab analysts explain the only usable friction ridge impressions remaining in the case were two patent impressions appearing on the Glock 19 handgun. These patent impressions were visible on the slide area of the handgun upon the initial examination. The patent impression lacks sufficiently quality or quantity of a friction ridge detail for identification purposes, but are usable for elimination purposes. The Department of Justice lab analyst stated Marshall could not be eliminated as a suspect due to the similarities in ridge flow and ridge characteristics in agreement with his left thumb and left index finger. According to the official theory, the blood spatter and a lack of displacement or disruption found at the scene proved to investigators that no other person were in close proximity to have shot Philip Marshall. Then the media release tries to explain how a man could shoot himself with a gun pointed upside down. The investigators claimed it was normal for people to shoot themselves this way. The inverted upside down positioning of the handgun is a natural body slash arm posture of someone shooting themselves and is consistent with having shot himself. Philip Marshall questions. When officers arrived at the Marshall home, they found Philip Marshall lying face up with a close range gunshot wound on the right side of his head. Police claimed the gun was inverted, upside down. Marshall was found face up near the couch, where his deceased children appeared to be sleeping under blankets on a U-shaped sectional couch. The gun was found with a bullet in the chamber and an empty magazine. In Marshall's bedroom closet, police found a 50-round box of Fiatchi ammunition with 43 unused bullets. Three expended casings were found in the living room near Marshall and his children. One expended casing was found in the master bedroom near the dog. A fifth unexpended bullet was found on the laundry room floor. The box of ammo was found on a shelf on top of an open safe. Outside of the safe where they found the box of ammunition, they found a wedding ring resting on top of the Fiacci box. According to the Calvarez County Sheriff's Department, there was no signs of forced entry into the Marshall home when the double murder-suicide happened. All the doors were closed, but they were unlocked. It did not appear that the house or any of the furniture had been ransacked. 
Many people might find it strange that the Glock 9mm handgun was found underneath Marshall. Marshall was found lying on his back in the living room behind the sectional couch. The statement continued, The gun was located under his right side midsection. If Marshall was standing up where he shot himself with the gun upside down, how is it possible that the gun was found under his right midsection? The muzzle impression left on Philip Marshall's skin helped determine the proximity of the gun to Marshall's head and the angle of the muzzle. Based on how they found the gun impression on Marshall's head, the lack of voids and blood disruption, investigators concluded no disruption or voids were found in the high and low velocity blood splatter pattern, and this proved to them that there was no fourth person involved in the incident. The only fingerprints lab analysts found were Marshall's left thumb and index finger located on the slide of the gun. This only proves that Marshall cocked the gun. They could not positively identify Marshall's fingerprints on the trigger of the firearm. A Fianchi Glock 9mm handgun is the alleged weapon used by Philip Marshall. In October of 2011, Marshall purchased the Glock 9mm handgun from a gun store in Turlock, California. The gun was registered to him. Then on January 27, 2013, Marshall was videotaped purchasing ammunition from the Big Five Sporting Goods Store in Sonora, California. I found it very interesting that the police believed Marshall was wearing the same clothing on January 27th as he was when he was found on February 2nd, 2013. He paid cash for the ammunition, and the police found a receipt for the purchase inside of Marshall's car. The investigators determined it was possible for the children to be shot within two seconds, a few feet apart without one of them waking up. They also believed that four gunshots would be muffled inside the house, and that's why neighbors didn't report hearing any gunfire. The closest neighbor lives about 50 feet away from the Marshall residence. Police performed tests inside of Philip Marshall's house to see if one of the neighbors would be able to hear gunfire from next door. During the test, the unidentified neighbor did hear the gunshots, but didn't think that the noise would be loud enough to wake him up if sleeping. The neighbor went on to say that despite the fact that the neighbor is a very light sleeper, the neighbor would not have been awakened by the noise. Nothing was mentioned about the suspicious noise Jeff Woods heard on February 1st of 2013. The media release attempted to explain Marshall's financial situation based on the documents they found on the kitchen counter. These documents included a list of financial debt he owed, dated 2-1-13, and totaled $67,000, as well as a child support related document and information. Marshall wrote in a spiral notebook, Debt Kill. Authorities also confiscated a laptop and a desktop computer and sent them to the high tech task force in Sacramento for forensic analysis. The results were still pending at the time of release. Toxicology results Michaela Marshall, daughter, 14 years old. Blood samples taken during the autopsies were sent to a toxicology lab for toxicology analysis. The results showed that Michaela had a 0.05 blood alcohol content and a 0.32 milligram of diphenhydramine, an over-the-counter antihistamine slash sleep aid. Alex Marshall, son, 17 years old. Alex had a blood alcohol content of 0.03. Philip Marshall. Philip Marshall's blood sample contained 0.08 milligrams of hydrocodone, pain reliever, and narcotic. 0.02 milligrams of morphine a pain relief narcotic, and 0.80 milligrams of hydroxybupropion, antidepressant, alcoholic beverages including a bottle of whiskey and an open 12-pack of beer were found inside the Marshall home. Philip Marshall was last seen on January 31st of 2013, 
Likewise, the last documented communication with Alex Marshall was also January 31st. Alex sent an instant message at 10.40 p.m. His sister Michaela made her last documented communication via cell phone at 10.10 that same night. Then at 10.55 p.m., Michaela used her cell phone to take a self-portrait. Still no motive. I suppose the only motive the police have is that Philip Marshall was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. They believe Marshall suffered from some kind of mental illness and point to his prescription narcotic pain medication as evidence. According to records obtained, Marshall was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Additionally, the report stated that he suffered periods of depression and mania, which led to his dismissal or grounding as a pilot in September of 2006. Detectives also shared some information about Philip Marshall's medical records. His medical records suggested that he also suffered from some sort of mental illness, drug dependency, anxiety, and depression. He was prescribed antidepressant medication for his mental health. During mid-year 2012 through January of 2013, he frequented the medical clinic seeking additional pain medications. The media release added that Philip Marshall was under the care of a doctor for several years and speculated that Marshall had mental health issues. Yet this was not enough evidence for police to come up with a clear motive for the allegations of a double murder-suicide. It's unclear if the detectives talked to Marshall's doctor, but they did consult with a different doctor about what might have happened if Marshall combined antidepressants with prescribed narcotics. The police even sourced the FDA's research for the sudden outburst that led to the alleged double murder-suicide. The Food and Drug Administration, which has not been friendly towards natural medicines, cited how changes in psychotropic medications could result in suicide, hostility, or psychosis. The investigators in charge of solving the crime concluded there was no evidence to support a theory that anyone else could have committed this crime or that any other persons were present at the time of the shooting. Michaela and Alex Marshall both appeared to be sleeping at the time they were shot indicating no signs of a struggle with a possible intruder. There was no evidence of a struggle with Philip Marshall, and no signs of forced entry into the home. Various items of value were still present inside the home, and no evidence of any additional weapons was found. Lastly, there was no evidence that Philip Marshall or his children were moved or repositioned after the shooting, which would indicate an altered crime scene. Based on the final findings of the investigators, evidence showed that Philip Marshall and not an outside fourth person shot and killed Michaela, Alex, and the family dog, and then himself. To conclude, it is determined that the case was a double murder-suicide. There is plenty of evidence to suspect that a fourth party was involved, in my opinion. This is mainly due to the lack of evidence against Philip Marshall. If the police cannot conclusively prove their own theory, why would they rule out all the other theories? No matter how crazy those theories may sound to investigators, it is their responsibility to find the truth and bring justice to the tragedy. It's not their job to assume within the hour that Marshall is guilty of a double murder-suicide and then search for evidence to prove that theory, which is based on circumstantial evidence with no clear motive. Their reasons for ruling out foul play are very weak. Police cannot prove that Marshall fired the Glock 9mm and the only fingerprints they have of Marshall do not conclusively prove anything. The tests only conclude that Philip Marshall could not be ruled out as one who shot the gun. This does not mean he fired the gun. The fingerprints found on the gun were not on the trigger, but on the slide, which is used to cock the gun. A bullet was found on the chamber of the Glock, 
but the magazine was empty. The police finding no evidence of a struggle or forced entry does not mean Philip Marshall is guilty of murdering his two children. The police have already admitted that more than one of the doors of the house was unlocked, so there is little need to look for forced entry when you already have established a means of entry without force. Isn't it possible a fourth party simply walked in through one of the unlocked doors? Video of the Marshall House shows how many doors there are in the two-story home. There are quite a few. The prepared media released by Sergeant Chris Hewitt concluded by stating they based their entire theory of a double murder-suicide on the final findings of the investigators. Those final findings seemed to mirror their initial findings of February 2nd of 2013. If the purpose of the six-page media release was to put conspiracy theories to rest, then in my opinion, he has failed miserably. My question to Sergeant Chris Hewitt and Sheriff Gary Koontz is, do you seriously believe you can convict Philip Marshall of a double murder-suicide, either in a court of law or in the court of public opinion, based on the evidence in the possession of your department? I challenge you to do so. I will publicly debate you on this issue. I will argue that you cannot prove your theory, that your evidence is lacking, and that it's possible that the real murderer or murderers are out there somewhere. This has been What is Truth? 9-11 Written by Greg Fernandez Jr. Narrated by Ryan Barry Copyright by Greg Fernandez Jr. Production copyright by Greg Fernandez Jr.